This podcast is from heptagonclub.co.uk and paulcarenza.com. The Heptagon Club. Heptagon Club. Heptagon Club with Paul Carenza. Seven guests, seven corners. On this week's show. And then on Christmas Eve, you sing a special song, hit the log with a stick, and it poops out sweets, nuts, and dried fruit. Wow, that's unexpected. And your host, Mr. Paul Carenza. Welcome to the Heptagon Club. This is the Christmas special, part two. If you have not heard part one yet, then do go and listen to it. Uh, I'm Paul Carenza. Hello, how are you? What's your name? Uh, do repeat it now after the pause. That was the pause. Well done. Um, so, yeah, this is part two of our Christmas special 2017. Like a Christmas cracker, this is in two parts, where really, originally, it's probably best as one. Uh, I'm breaking podcast convention here, really, because normally we have seven actual real guests per episode. That's just what we do here on the Hebdogan Club. It's, it's, our, it's our USP that we plug into computers to uh, charge our phones. Uh, so last episode, we had two real live guests plus five Christmas stars that I brought to the table via their life stories and their contributions to Christmas past and indeed present. And this is all really because I spent the last two years immersing myself in Christmas past for my new book, Heart the Biography of Christmas. I've waffled on plenty about that. So this is really just the fact that I'm overflowing with the stuff and it's Christmas now, ladies. It's Christmas now. How very exciting. So uh, last episode, we were really delving into Dickens, Prince Albert, that kind of thing. This episode, we're jumping over the pond being a little bit more American, but also jumping back across the pond over this way and then east a bit and enjoying St. Nicholas and Santa and all of these sort of things as well. So that's really our plan. We've also got more from our Xmas expert, James Cooper from whychristmas.com. Uh, we've got my four-year-old daughter as well, making her second appearance on the podcast. Oh, ho, ho. There she is. More of her later. And we've got five more guests, uh, all from festive history, but also I've been just I've been blogging as well about it. Uh, Neil downstandup.wordpress.com is the blog. I put it on my Facebook thing as well. You find Paul Carenza on Facebook like that and you will be seeing every day over Christmas uh, my little pieces of the Yule blog we're calling it. Uh, So we've been delving into history of Panto, the history of the Christmas cracker, uh, the history behind the different Christmas carol services like Chris Dingle, Lessons and Carols, Midnight Mass, all the bits of those things. We did a a lovely blog post recently called Why Have You Put That Up There? Which is really meant to be about Christmas decorations and only after the event you realise it could be about endoscopy as well but that's you know not neither here nor there really uh so yeah i am uh, guilty as charged of of uh, putting the book out there at the minute the truth is actually the publishers um i don't know how much of this i should be saying but it's all public knowledge they went into administration the day i handed the book in uh, in january this year i handed the manuscript in got an auto reply back saying hello we ceased trading about an hour ago or, or words to that effect or something but anyway they, they've been operating they, they're doing all right they had to slim down the business they've got a new buyer but it does mean that my book sort of was put out there going right we're going to put the book out but you've got to push it you've got to do the pr type thing so that is why i am flogging this still very much a live horse uh, for all i can do and, and that includes here but what i would say if you did listen are passing a Waterstones or a local bookshop but i particularly should be trying this chain of Waterstones we have in this country have a word with them just say if you got heart the biography of christmas you won't have to buy one because they won't have a copy they have about one per county and that is no exaggeration so i've been just kind of gently and firmly encouraging people to go and do that if they would uh, have a word with Waterstones because if you ask for it then they're more, they do actually take note of that and they do stock it maybe just one it's very very slow but you know we do that and everyone wins well i win just tediously slowly over several years 
So meanwhile, back at this episode where we are going to go a bit more crazy about St Nicholas, like I said. The face of Christmas, although weirdly the original St Nick wasn't quite around long enough to see Christmas celebrated on December the 25th. That happened about 20 years or so after he uh, stopped um, walking around on this land, let's say that much, and went on to become the stuff of legends. Um, I will say, if you have little ears listening, by the way, I'm going to be very careful in my choice of words uh, throughout this episode, so you should be all right. But let's just say that Santa Claus and or Father Christmas had an old friend uh, called St Nick. Nicholas, who was a good friend of theirs, and St Nicholas was a, a generous bishop who inherited lots of money, had no kids himself, and so he gave lots of money to the poor. Uh, but under the cover of darkness, a bit like the secret millionaire, he wanted to stay anonymous. That was the idea there. So one night, Nicholas heard of a, a poor father and his three daughters, decided he would fling them some gold uh, through the open window, because there was no glass yet, uh, aiming for the stockings that they had warming by the fire. So he did uh, that for the first daughter, and then came back, did it for the second daughter, threw some gold into the stocking there and was caught by the father when he came to slam dunk a gold bag uh, for the third time. So St Nicholas swore the poor father to secrecy, but that secret presumably wasn't kept all that well because we are fairly familiar today with stockings and things like that. So uh, that was apparently the origin of these things. But there are plenty miraculous legends to do with St Nicholas. Apparently he was such a holy baby, he fasted on the two holy fasting days they had each week at the time. Not the original 5-2 diet, basically. Uh, yes, yeah, so even you know as a baby, St Nicholas was actually uh, doing that. So fair play to him. Breastfeeding from just, you know, just not twice a week. And even then he would only take from the right side of the of the milk factory um, if I can that's a very crude way of calling what am I doing come on I'm a man of the 21st century but anyway he was uh, so akin to being at God's right hand was the idea so he would only uh, take from the right hand side so you know impressive work either either way St Nicholas was generous kind loved and then one he ultimately passed on at the end of his life December 6th uh, was the day December 6th still is uh, celebrated around the world St Nicholas Day in, in the Netherlands particularly they've always loved Sinterklaas as they have, uh, have called him in the basically St Nicholas with an accent really so December 5th is the big present day in the Netherlands. Uh, I made a bit of a boo-boo in the book. I sort of hinted more it's towards the 6th. But the 5th is St Nicholas Eve. So that is when they go crazy for presents over in, in Hollywood. Not Christmas presents, but Sinterklaas presents. That's the difference, I suppose. So here's a present for you. Uh, if there's one person who knows more about the history of Christmas than me, it's James Cooper, who set up his website, whychristmas.com. That's W-H-Y christmas.com here's james cooper setting me right on some other things that i may have also got wrong in the book but then i never profess that it's all exactly true i say i'm there to tell stories you know a lot about christmas not histories so i suppose that's the idea i am a, i'm one of these johnny come latelys who who pretends he does and uh, and got lots of books but you have written a rather marvelous book about it well, it's very it's very very kind of you but uh, but yeah i i i um obviously i immersed myself into christmas culture for the last a uh, couple of years, so I was that that guy reading Christmas books in the library in March and April, <laughs> and getting some odd looks. But yeah, but I'm 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 late to the party. I'm late to the Christmas party on this one. I mean, you've already pulled me up on on one fallacy in in my book, which is the the mice on the Silent Night uh, church organ. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. There's there's the old uh, the old legend goes that Silent Night was written for a guitar because um, mice had chewed through the bellows of the organ, so the organ it do not work. But um, that's probably just a later legend that would start off, and it was just originally written for a guitar in the first place. I see. So can we can we hold on to the fact that maybe it was written in a day, in a rush, kind of race yeah, against it, the clock it, well, kind the, of the, thing? The, the tune, certainly. It seems that the words were written a couple of years before as just a poem, but there was a bit of a, ah, we need something for the Christmas Eve service. Oh, right. I've got these words, let's go and get a tune. 
There was, seems to be a lot of poems that were were then turned into Christmas cultural things. You know, Visit of mm. St Nicholas and uh, uh, a lot of the Christmas carols seem to start off as poems. Yes, but like in, in, in the bleak midwinter and such like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So this is you got to, We don't get enough poems now. Maybe poems being written today can, in the years to come, become these Christmas icons that we haven't mm. quite banged on yet. You yeah. never know. You never know. Ah oh, yes, Clement Clark Moore's poem, A Visit from St Nicholas. That's the, uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas and All Through the House, that one. Really, I think that did so much to spread Santa across America because the poem became America's favourite poem. It was told at Christmases uh, by parents to children and possibly vice versa when they could read uh, for many Christmas to come through the, the early 19th century. It's sort of 1920s, that's when it came in there. And it really, you could see a boom in stocking sales after Twas the Night Before Christmas. So up until then, people did have the stocking thing as, as a thing, particularly... Uh, from the uh, the old world, but they would use their own stockings. Suddenly, now this poem was so huge, people were like, well, let's, let's buy some stockings, especially to put presents in. And then you get things like wrapping paper. So now you're not just buying a present, you're buying a thing to cover the present in, and then a thing to cover the present that you've already wrapped up in, which is the stocking. So um, it becomes like a Russian doll kind of version of, of Christmas presents, I suppose. So the poet, Dr Clement Clark Moore, uh, he is our next pseudo-guest here at the Hepticon Club this week, uh, without quite making it himself, due to death reasons. Uh, Clement Clark Moore was a Hebrew lexicographer and a church planter, far prouder of his deep-thinking work on ancient languages than his little ditty that he scribbled on December the 23rd for his kids, probably because he left it too late for a present, and then he starts writing, "'Twas the night before Christmas,' I'll have a bit of this, "'Twas two nights before Christmas, and Daddy was stuck for a Christmas present, so you can have this poem." Speaking of kids, here's one of mine. Now, my daughter uh, always did this thing, right, where she loved hide-and-seek, always still loves hide-and-seek. She sort of invented her own version, so she'd hide... And when you were close or in the room she was hiding in, she put on a voice, often telling you to find her somewhere else, you see. Very, very shrewd. But then, of course, she couldn't be herself doing the voice because she'd be trying to tell you, put you off the scent. So she always adopted the voice of Father Christmas, just the way it was. Never planned it that way, never encouraged her. She liked to do the voice of Father Christmas. So here, from under a bed, is uh, the voice of Father Christmas as played by a four-year-old, or I think at the time actually a three-year-old. But um, here we go. Oh, ho, ho. How old are you, Father Christmas? Twelve. You're twelve, that is old. Uh, what do you, What would you like, Father Christmas, for Christmas? I would like a new high chair for my doll. You want a new high chair for your doll? No, a new high chair for my doll. You want a what high chair? A blue high chair. A blue high chair? Oh. Because I want to fit it and my doll's hammock when we go outside. And your doll's hammock? Okay, what are you up to today, Father Christmas? I am up to doing some cooking for my son. We're doing some cooking for your son? So, uh, yeah, we call him Father Christmas. Americans call him Santa. There are key differences. Uh, Father Christmas comes from old man winter, more pagan origin, more tied to merry old England and all that sort of stuff, lots of nature things. So I reckon that he didn't quite make it to the Americas largely thanks to the American Revolutionary War, Boston Tea Party, all that sort of thing. So he kind of sank with a tea chest in Boston Harbour, I guess. While the Dutch settlers, they managed to smuggle in Sinterklaas, St Nicholas, Santa Claus. Uh, it was actually Santa Claus before he was Santa Claus, really. Uh, just a bit further down in New York. Um, you can actually spot the difference between 
an American Santa and an English Father Christmas. They do look a little different. The American Santa has a bobble on his hat uh, and a two-piece suit. The Father Christmas has no bobble and it's a hood, not a not a hat, and it's one long tunic. So there you go. If you ever spot one out and about, you now know what uh, Bill Oddie style, what you're looking at. There you go. I'm mean, not these Bill Oddie. Bill Oddie doesn't look a bit like Father Christmas, but um, what I mean is if, if Bill Oddie to birds is like you to Father Christmas trying to spot what it is, now you have the ornithological guide. I think about too much coffee. Um, our next literary guest, not in person, alas, um, but is one of those people who, who was spreading those Dutch tales of Santa back in the early 1800s. I love this guy. He's one of my favourites. Washington Irving. We should all know more about Washington Irving. He's brilliant. If I could meet one person from history, well, it's probably not him, uh, but I'd get him to chronicle what my meeting was like with Jesus. So... Irving, basically, was the world's first international best-selling author. So he wrote Rip Van Winkle, you might know that, about the guy who falls asleep for ages, Sleepy Hollow, speaking of sleep, which is now a series on Netflix. So that's weird. Washington Irving even started that one. Irving even coined the name Gotham City long before Batman lived there. It was actually Irving's nickname for New York. I took it from a small village in Nottinghamshire that he once visited, actually pronounced Gotham. Uh, and dare I say, as a former Nottingham resident myself, uh, Gotham was a little bit backward, I think. So, you know, named after goats for a start. So this was Washington Irving who visited this rather backward village saying that New York, this giant uh, aspirational New York, was really a bit backward. So that is Gotham or Gotham City and that is where uh, Batman ultimately moved into later on. But I digress, right? Washington Irving is in the East Midlands. He's at Gotham or Gotham or whatever it's called. But he's also in the West Midlands. This is a genuine journey he took. Little travelogue, Michael Palin style. And Washington Irving spent Christmas in Birmingham. Very start of the 19th century. He was at the big manor house of James Watt, right? He of wattage and light bulbs and things like that. This is actually a weirdly key event in the history of Christmas. You have this odd thing. Sleepy Hollow guy, Gotham City guy, meeting at the house of James Watt, of the light bulb guy, right? That Christmas, big manor house, alive with joy and party games and fireside tales and carriage rides and a feast on the table, children candles, all sorts of health and safety nightmares. Washington Irving then exaggerated in the scene of this into a story about the classic English Christmas and how cosy and rosy it all was. It probably is not all true, but he's exaggerating it. But you, when you read it, you can almost smell the party food off the page. So it's well worth seeking out. This story then inspired Dickens, who said that two nights out of seven, I take Washington Irving to bed with me. I presume he means the book. He's just being a bit bawdy and a little camp for his day, I, I imagine. But so, yeah, Washington Irving, an American sold back to the English the cosy, rosy English Christmas. Oh, but he did more than that as well. Washington Irving also wrote another book, A Fake History of New York, this time about the Dutch settlers, right, and the Dutch settlers, how they particularly loved St Nicholas, Sinterklaas. This book, supposedly written by Diedrich Knickerbocker, that was the name he invented, a pseudonym of, of Washington Irving's. And Knickerbocker gives us the Knickerbocker glory, the New York Knicks. Even good old-fashioned knickers, yes. Why do the English have knickers and the Americans call them panties or whatever? Well, uh, Washington Irving's English edition had different illustrations than the, the American version. The English edition had these little pantaloons, so they got nicknamed knickers in England, but America never saw the picture. So knickers and Father Christmas didn't make it to America. Am I boring? I mean, this is... I kind of feel on the one hand I'm boring some people. On the same time, this is weird, isn't it? Don't you... Knickers and Gotham City and ice creams like Knickerbocker... How all this spells out the modern Christmas? It's a strange story, but I like to... I think someone's got to tell it, and gosh darn it, it's the Heptagon Club.
Anyway, Washington Irving spread St. Nicholas, gave us all of those many things. And here's a direct quote from 1809's History of New York by Washington Irving, as did your Knickerbocker, about St. Nicholas. He came riding over the tops of trees in that self-same wagon wherein he brings his yearly presents to children. So there you are, a self-same wagon or a sleigh. What do you think kids think that Santa Christmas rides in nowadays? Well, let's find out from our very own resident, Father Christmas. Oh, ho, ho. Do you also have Father Christmas a sleigh? Um, no. You don't have a sleigh? We do fly. You fly? We do fly on a hot air balloon. You fly in a hot air balloon? What sort of countries do you visit? Um, Australia, Guildford and England and all sorts of places. All sorts of places. Wow, Australia, Guildford, that's amazing. Actually, all of the places. All of the places. The Heptagon Club. Seven guests, seven corners. The Heptagon Club with Paul Perenza. Okay, other bits and pieces that I, I've sort of vaguely touched on in the book, but you have, uh, I know you know more about than I. So, uh, KFC, how does that involve <laughs> itself in Christmas? Uh, the wonderful world of the Japanese Christmas. Yes, it's right. like most things Japanese. They do like to do things differently, should we say. Um, <laughs> because um, Christianity is very, very, very minimal in um, Japan, they yeah. basically have no history of Christmas over there. Christmas really arrived with the American GIs post-World War Two, And when there were some GIs around there in the 60s, they decided, hey, we want Turkey for our holidays because that's what we have. Turkey, they could find none in Japan, oh. surprisingly enough. Oh, dear. Um, are, they, are they not native to the Japanese mainland? No. Is that not, that's not a no. thing? No. Um, but thankfully, KSC had recently opened in Japan. Oh. And uh, so in 1974, KFC went, hey, we're onto something here. And uh, had a, a wonderful advertising campaign uh, which was called Kentucky for Christmas, which also is KFC. Hang on a second. Of course it's KFC. Ladies yes. Know. How about that? What are the um, chances? Which in Japanese is Karisimasu ni wa uh, Kenkaiti, or something like that. See, I um, told you you knew more than me about yeah. this. I wouldn't have had a clue. Um, so, mm. so Christmas, your Christmas, Christmas traditional dinner um, in Japan now, uh, they see Christmas as much more like Valentine's Day. Right. Is you go for a romantic walk with your significant other, looking at all the twinkly Christmas lights, then you queue around the corner to pick up your bucket of KFC. Well, it's just like my Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah I, I can't, can't yeah. get enough of bread and, and chicken. And, and the other thing is that most people unwittingly have Japanese Christmas cake in their pocket. They ha unwittingly have Japanese Christmas yes. cake in their pocket. How is have, that? Have you, you know the emojis, what you get on your smartphones? Yeah. Or your smiley faces. There yeah. is one called shortcake which looks like a oh. slice of sponge cake with a load of cream in the middle and a strawberry on the top. You're making me hungry now. Okay, that is yeah. Japanese Christmas cake. Really? Yes. And it's been there all along. It's there yes. in front of our very eyes. Yes. <laughs> what are the chances? What are the chances? <laughs> okay, so KFC, Japanese. While we're flying in our sleigh ride around the world then, Donald Duck as well, I believe, has some involvement in Christmas culture. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, but it's not where you think it would be. Right. Uh, it's in Sweden. In Sweden, no, yeah. no one's no one saw that coming. Okay. No, no. Yeah. Um, Donald Duck. Well, actually, a show called um, uh, Donald Duck and His Friends Wish You a Merry Christmas. Right. Um, started in 1959 at three three p.m. on Christmas Eve. It was shown as a cartoon, and people went, "Hey, this is quite fun." 
And they still show it every year. And about 40-50% of the Swedish population stop on Christmas Eve to watch Donald Duck. How bizarre. How... <laughs> So that's like so we have I don't know what the snowman or yeah or the um, or the Queen's speech and Queen's they have speech, Donald Duck only falls Norse whatever it might be okay nice yeah, everyone's got their things haven't they yeah and and if you hip hop over the border to Finland yep. on Christmas Eve afternoon you go and visit your dead ancestors in your, in the graveyard and light candles on all the graves and it's all pretty and sparkly and snowy and well unusual. I think I'd, I think I'd rather have Donald Duck probably on the yeah. grave, but uh, it sounds a bit deathly over there. But but then I suppose Christmas, all you know, the, the origins of Christmas lie in this sort of Finnish uh, or Norse anyway, snow the snowy northern Europe mm, anyway. Yes, so, all, yeah, so, all of our know. sort of snowy traditions certainly yeah, come all up. That sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Packing because I'm going on my holidays to Greece. To Greece, and what are you going to do when you get to Greece? Serve on my surfboard. Sail! Oh wow! Surf on your surfboard. Is that is it international where pupping ornaments come in as well? It's it's mainly Spain, but it is some parts of uh, Italy and Portugal as well. Yes, they they there there is in in especially Catalan Catalonian um, Christmas scenes. Okay. They they like to add lots of different figures that are unusual that we don't have in most uh, Christmas figures over here, and. He is known as El Cagana, which means the poor, and is traditionally a peasant uh, with his trousers down having a squat, shall we say. So this is in the nativity scene? This yes. Is, right. Yes. So you've got and, Mary and, and Joseph and the well, shepherds. Yes, and they're, they're kind peasant. of the equivalent of our Guy Fawkes. The new ones are bought out every year with celebrity faces on them. Right. <laughs> This may be difficult for people to get their heads around. So, so celebrity pooing models. Yes, in, in the Christmas scene. And uh, also in Catalonia, they have, um, for, for, you know, it, we have advent calendars. Mm. In Catalonia, Christmas, uh, kids running up to Christmas have a thing called Tito Nadal, or the Christmas log, or the pooping log. It's a little log that's about a foot long. Um, that has two legs propping up at one end and a smiley face with googly eyes and a Santa hat on it. Or right. Santa hat or, or a red beret. And the back of it is covered with a blanket. And every day running up to Christmas, um, parents feed it sweets. And so the blanket gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, you sing a special song. Hit the log with a stick to help its digestion, and it poops out sweets, nuts, and dried fruits. And when an onion or garlic falls out of the log, that's it. What? Wow, that's unexpected. Yes, um, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> I, I mean, Christmas is weird. Christmas is, <laughs> but then I suppose our Christmas is weird to other people yeah. in other countries who would look at it and go, "You're crazy with your." I don't know. We bring a tree inside, and then we, yeah. we you know, put gingerbread on it, and. Uh, what are we doing? Why did we end up with this mess? This is crazy. This is ridiculous. So I'm just here in the uh, in the car park doing my Christmas shopping. You can hear the cars coming and going here. It's all very exciting. We've got a uh, a car boot full of stuff. All very exciting. And and this really we owe to our penultimate festive historical guest who really kick started all of this uh, Christmas commercial madness it's roland hussey macy again he's not here in person he couldn't make it he's not too well nowadays uh roland hussey macy i love to just say the name hussey as a middle name to be honest but this is the guy uh, behind macy's 
Uh, he gave us loads to do with the modern Christmas. He gave us the first in-store Santa, the first money-back guarantee come January. But mainly, he gave us the first festive window display. Why is that so important? Well, plate glass was fairly new, fairly cheap. Uh, so now you could see what you were buying in a whole new way that you never could before. It meant that even if you couldn't afford to actually shop there, you could go and see this display. And before long, when electric lights came in, folks would come from miles away just to look at these beautiful lights, perhaps before they could afford them themselves. They'd actually block the street uh, and stop the traffic to just go and look at these window displays. Then it jumped over the pond, jumped back over uh, to jolly old England here. Gordon Selfridge came over from his Chicago apprenticeship and he'd learnt a few of these tricks, brought it to Selfridge's that he set up. Selfridge himself coined the phrase X number of shopping days till Christmas, you know, gave us a good old fashioned countdown. And then just up the road, Harrods, they, uh, they copied his window displays basically, put them up a bit earlier. So then Selfridge's had to put his up a bit earlier. And then the Christmas creep is born. Every year it's going up a little bit earlier. And that's really why we have mince pies and Tesco's in August. It does mean, of course, that alas, we don't therefore have the 12 days of Christmas like we're used to. Because it was around the same sort of time, the Victor- end of the Victorian era, when she was sort of reigning in these new things. We're having a Boxing Day as a national holiday for the first time. 12th night as a celebration was just on the decline. So that was sort of uh, coming to a, to a halt. So things like 12th cake and the 12th night mama's play is slowly raining in. We've got a lovely 12th night mama's play in Guildford. I would recommend if you've got a 12th night mama's play near you, because this will be our last episode before then. Uh, 6th of Jan, go out and find a good 12th night mama's play. They're up and down the country and well worth finding. But alas, yes, we are sick of Christmas by Christmas nowadays. In fact, you're probably sick of it by the end of this podcast. Uh, so James Cooper now will enlighten us as to a little bit more about why we stop celebrating Christmas about when we do. So when does Christmas, the Christmas season start? So Christmas, obviously, day... Yes, kind of fixed. We know when that is. Yes. Uh, technically, Christmas tide. I think in sort of churchy terms is is Christmas Day onwards. Is that right? I think. Yes. Um, because but the Christmas before, season is bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, the Christmas season officially does start on Christmas, but I mean now you, mm. I think Advent is included in the Christmas season. So I mean, Christmas really kicks off with Advent, which yeah. is uh, the four Sundays before Christmas Day. And today, this year, um, Advent is actually as late as it possibly can be because Christmas is on a Monday. So yeah. you get a whole yes. full week. So mm. Advent is starts on the 3rd of December in 2017. So anyone who eats a Christmas Advent chocolate on December, on the 1st or the 2nd, because that's when the windows are numbered, yes. is, that's not in Advent. That's a pre-Advent no, n- chocolate. No, well, not this year. Yeah, they're, mm. they're having sneaky pre-Advent chocolates this year. That's shocking. That is shocking, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> but then other years, the church is early, I suppose. 27th yes. is as early as it gets. Is that right? Yes. So, yeah. yeah. The holiday season, as our American friends yes. may <laughs> force us to call it, starts with what? Ha- uh, not ha- well, Halloween or Thanksgiving? Well, yeah, I think Halloween has crept into the holiday mm. season now. Okay. Yes. So that does mean, though, if you start early, the Christmas creep starts early then do you get i mean i don't know about you but one at large christmas fatigue is that a thing because it fight you know you know for the 12 days of christmas meant to keep us going to the 6th of jan yeah but people nowadays going well you know once you get past boxing day they you see starting to see decorations come down what do you yeah, think what's well, that about i think it's because we don't do advent anymore because mm. advent was the time where you prepared for christmas you know i mean um in lots of catholic and orthodox countries people still fast during advent 
Right. So, you know, you, you really sort of cut back during Advent and then, well, hey, you go over it over Christmas. Because, of I mean, we, you, you were saying the 6th of January there. Mm. I mean, technically, the Christmas season doesn't finish till Candlemas, which is the 2nd of February. Gra- that's, yeah, Groundhog Day, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a long time, isn't it? That's yeah. You've got to keep on trucking. <laughs> you got to keep on going, haven't you? Wow. Yeah. So, but if you didn't start really properly yeah. until the end of December, you could keep going through the whole of January. But now, because we start at the beginning of December, you're a bit oh, of, by if come January I'm confused there's so many I mean it's, it, uh, the easiest thing is to do what you do celebrate Christmas all year round Absolutely. that way it never starts yeah. never stops yeah. just keep on going that's the way isn't it that's the way okay okay should we be holding on to Christmas bet- and, until New Year until 6th of Jan all that sort of stuff yes I think up. so is that, but is that I, the done thing yeah I mean people, I often get um, asked oh Christmas is starting too early and mm. actually most of the time I go yeah for most people it probably does um, yeah. For the, for the likes of me, who are just Christmas nuts, yeah, we can cope with it all year. Of but course. I think for a lot of people, it, it does. <laughs> yes. Christmas creep does actually come in too early, and getting decorations out in the first week of September in mm. shops and stuff is just plain daft, frankly. Yeah, I've, I've had. Um, I think I've had four Christmas-themed turkey sandwiches. Uh, not not in a row, but you know, not today. <laughs> but you know, the fact I've had four in the last week or two means that come Christmas, you know, December twenty-fifth, I'll probably be turkeyed out. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll probably have had it all by then. Yeah. But as you said, if you fast before, it's a different story, isn't it? One thing I like on your website, you've got another, is it a spin-off website or whatever, um, or a page on it, called Is It Christmas Today? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Tell us what that is then. Okay, it's just it's just a daft little site, one-page site that I set up, that if you go to isitchristmas.today, um, it will tell you. Yeah. And, and, and it, actually, it actually will say yes on more days than you think it might. Really? But how is yes. that possible? How is such um, a thing... Because we celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. Oh, yes. But not everybody does. Oh, okay. If you're an Orthodox Christian or some Eastern Catholics, Mm -hmm. you will celebrate Christmas on the 6th of January. Aha. And if you're an Armenian, I think it's the Armenian Orthodox Church, they celebrate it on the 7th. Right. So if one were to check that website, is it Christmas.today, on the 6th or 7th of January... It will say yes. It will say yes. And, and basically, everybody used to celebrate Christmas on the 6th of January, date-wise. But then, of course, we had the change from the Gregorian and the Julian calendars oh, yes. got split. And we lost 12 days. So ours got punted back to the 25th of December. Right. And the Orthodox churches carried on on the 6th of January. And they also, the Orthodox churches also celebrate the baptism of Jesus on the 6th of dis- January, as well as Epiphany. They get a triple whammy. So I hope you've enjoyed our Christmas party. I do hope you've brought a bottle as well. We do encourage one thing a week to do, and that is the sort of the bring a bottle moment. You know, give something back. Sometimes it's to share this podcast or, or donate something if you would. Uh, but this time, as it's Christmas, I think really we've got to say, give a bit of what you would give to a podcast but give it to someone else. Uh, you pick your charity. Um, you know, you could let us know which one you picked. If you want to put it on Facebook, let us know what you've done. That'd be fantastic. But spread the love, you know. So I hope that you get what you want this Christmas and I hope that you give what you want as well. What's your favourite thing to eat, Father Christmas? Spaghetti bolognese. Spaghetti bolognese. Wow, that's that's fantastic, Father Christmas. And I always have it. Do you like a cup of tea? I love a cup of tea. I do like a cold turkey sandwich, I have to say. Okay, so, okay. Not, nice. Lots of cranberry sauce. Excellent. Yeah. So bypass the hot turkey, straight in with the cold turkey. Yeah, I'm, yeah that'd yeah. do me fine, thank you. Christmas is so busy now with so many customs. Right? Mm. You want to go to, the, we say, oh, we always go ice skating every year, or we always go to Midnight Mass, or um, the carol service, or the West End show, or Panto. You can't do it all. There's no room for all of yeah. it. Yeah. 
Um, let alone all the bits you you know. Well, we've got to have the angel on the tree. Well, no, I have a star on the tree. Well, I know someone has a donut on the top of his Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you could keep a handful, like two, three, or four Christmas customs, what do you keep? Um, I think one of the big ones has to be a festival of nine lessons of nine lessons and carols. Um, yep. Because when I was growing up as a kid. Uh, my dad always used to get Christmas Eve afternoon off work, so he used to come home from work, turn on the radio and fall asleep on the sofa listening to Nine Lessons and Carols. So that always Excellent. kind of kicked off Christmas. And for Nine Lessons and Carols, we thank our last guest. The final of this episode, this weird sort of odd episode, and the last episode as well, uh, with only two real actual guests, and then five I'm just sort of bringing to the table, so to speak. I would love to know, by the way, regular listener, how are you finding it like this? The two guests plus five, just in words. Uh, do you feel cheated by this, or enlightened, or are you not bothered either way, really? Um, I, I would love to know. Do feedback, because I do know these two ups have been very different. I'm trying it out, but like a trainee psychic, I would love to know your thoughts. But yeah, it turns out that editing seven guests a week has been traumatic for the last year and a half. So uh, I am trying... Not traumatic, it's a bit much. It's busy. It's just busy, basically. So I'm trying to find a way of going forward with the podcast. If you particularly want your seven real-life guests, of course I will deliver that, but you need to feed this back to me. So let us know on Facebook, Heptagon Club, find us on there, and let us know what you thought of that versus these last couple. So yes, our final guest is the one who gave us nine lessons and carols as a Christmas service. And he also actually gave us a festive ghost story as well. This is Bishop Edward Benson, is who I'm talking about. He had the idea for the turn of the screw. Uh, He gave it to his friend Henry James. And also one of his sons actually wrote the Map and Lucia novels and another son wrote Land of Hope and Glory. So uh, he was doing quite a lot in different ways. But this is more about what Bishop Benson did for Christmas, right? His big Christmas contribution was to stage the first nine lessons and carols. Truro Cathedral, Cornwall, 1880, Christmas Eve, 10pm, the first nine lessons and carols, just to lure the drunks out of the pubs. So when you see the King's College Cambridge Choir beautifully singing candles, falsettos, I imagine the first ever lessons in carols was a lot bawdier than that. They had been drinking all day long, come on. But Bishop Benson uh, was all about Christmas being a time of building a bridge betwixt church and tavern. So I think that is what I like about Christmas as well, to be honest. Yes, it's a Christian festival, but it's, it's also got pagan, it's commercial, Norse, Roman, American, Dutch, Spanish, English roots. You can't forget the pooing Spaniard either, of course. And all these elements mix up together and, and the world celebrates. So whatever your Christmas looks like, here's hoping... It's a very merry one. Well, we wish you a merry Christmas. I was going to say wish you wish you a good day, but we wish you a merry Christmas <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, and a very yes. happy Christmas yes. to you, Paul. And well, thank you much indeed. Thank you for joining us on this. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll we'll speak again, maybe either next Christmas or who knows, in like May or something. And yeah. just go, tell us more about Christmas <laughs> here at the height of summer. That's what we need. Yes. Um, thank you for joining us, James. Wish Lovely. you well. Lovely. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye, Father Christmas. Bye now. Well, from a car park here in a shopping centre while attempting my Christmas shopping, I would like to say a very Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for joining us this year. We're back with seven more real live guests in the new year. Thank you to this episode for James of Why Christmas and my daughter. Thank you to you if you bought a book as well. That's always lovely. If you want to review it on Amazon or Goodreads or just nag your local bookshop, whether Waterstones or not, uh, about the book, that would be very, very cool. It's called Heart and the Biography of Christmas. Have I mentioned that? I probably have. I'll mention it again this time next year, but not until then. I promise. Do share us. Tell your friends on Facebook and Twitter that you listen. It's the only way people will find us and be as cool as you are. We're back in January. Have the merriest of Christmases. And as Tiny Tim observed, 
God bless us, everyone. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. I know it's been said many times, many ways, but... Ho, ho, ho.